Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Welcome to Morning Walk and Photo Talk with the Artists Forge. So glad to have you here with us on this beautiful morning. Hopefully it's beautiful where you're at. Um, and hopefully you're already having a great day. And hopefully joining us this morning is making your day even better. All right. So yesterday we had a comfy morning conversation, just a chance to chat about whatever popped up so that hopefully we would be relaxed and prepared for the rest of this week, which is going to be a little bit more intense as we take our previous week's conversation about how we deal with conflict and confrontation. And we move that into internal conflict and confrontations that we have with ourselves about the things that we struggle with. And of course, that encompasses a plethora of experience, everything from things like fear to self-sabotage, our internal narratives, what our mindsets are, if we have imposter syndrome, um, if we're perfectionists, there's just a host of potential things that artists particularly struggle with in a big way because we are often competing in a marketplace where the quality of our output is a big part of our ability to compete, which means there are constant struggles around things like our own self-image and competition. Um, it's, it, it can be really difficult on our egos to do that and add to that for many of us uh, trying to make a living the fact that we don't necessarily want to be business people, some of us, but we don't have a really another option. If this is a career path that we want for ourselves, we need to learn to be good and to excel at skills that aren't necessarily our favorite things. Um, if you're like me, running the business aspect is not your favorite part. I'm an idea person and I want to make things. I'm really great at coming up with plans and really bad at executing them. So um, also, I know it may seem like organization is a strong point. It is not. This is why my desk is covered in sticky notes and I have calendars and whiteboards and everything all around. My husband looks at all of my, all of my things and still can't quite believe that I cannot manage to do simple things like make sure I call the heating and cooling folks so they come out and winterize our swamp cooler. <laughs> Um, so it can be a struggle and it can lead to a lot of questioning yourself and doubting yourself and fighting with things. And not even all of that will come from our career. Some of that will be a holdover from other experiences in our lives, maybe childhood or other things we've gone through that have kind of built a internal monologue on repeat that is not the most beneficial to us. You know, sometimes those are things around money. So this week, what I really want to do is begin by hearing from y'all. What are some of the things that you internally struggle with? And how can we tackle 
those things. And of course, we'll start today with the folks up on the panel, but I want you to think in terms of the fights that you have with yourself, the times when you either have self-sabotaged or you've noticed when I come up against these kinds of struggles, I compare myself to other people and I can't seem to force myself to get out of that pattern and back to a healthy place. Um, or these kinds of thoughts stop me from taking risks when I know that's what I need to move my business forward. Or I can't sell because every time I try to make a sale, I hear this voice in my head telling me that nobody is going to spend that kind of money. There are all kinds of internal conflicts that we can have. So be thinking of those. That's going to be the conversation for today. And I do have to let everybody know it is um, my, my middle kiddo is going back to regular school today which is, for the, is the first time since the pandemic started. And so I do have to go in and drop him off and I'll be, I'll be uh, leaving maybe a little bit early. So just to uh, just be prepared for that this morning. But in the meantime, I wanna hear from you guys. What's the deal y'all? What are we struggling with today? Um, that way we can kind of plan the rest of the week and maybe a few of the topics we want to make sure. We Is everything an acceptable answer? <laughs> yes, but it requires example. Damn it. Um, I mean, I, I, I can go so back and forth. Like I'm either ultimate badass and nothing can stop me or absolutely overwhelmed with self-doubt and uh i suck at time management i always suck at time management it doesn't matter how i feel about anything else always suck at time management um and uh focus is a big struggle for me um i, I mentioned a while ago i don't remember what we were talking about but um uh like really wanting to to have control of my environment and when there's variables that I can't necessarily control, like things like children and having to abide by other people's schedules, um, it, it just wrecks my mindset and it makes working and focusing and really being 100% invested in the work at a certain time really difficult. Um, but oh man, I feel like the list can go on and on. But those are a couple examples to get us started on the everything. Yeah. Okay, I definitely, I mean, I'm there with you on those. So um, being able to control our environment, obviously, sometimes that's an external struggle, struggle, but ends up having internal issues, right? Because once, once that environment has changed, or the schedule is different, we find ourselves unable to force ourselves to make that work. So I think there's definitely an aspect there that we can look at of how we can potentially reframe or change things so that when we are forced out of our, our comfortable routines, um, we can still function. So that's definitely something to add to the list. I noticed Juliet had her hand raised, so would love to hear from you. What are you struggling with, Miss Lady? What are some of your interests? Good, mor <laughs> Good morning. Everything that Becca just said including that I was on a roll with work already and I got a text from my daughter who can't function at school without her headphones, you know, it's just like, Rah! but my, but my example is actually, I was thinking about it and took big action yesterday after hearing you, which is that I have a studio in town and it's, and I haven't put a sign up yet. 
<laughs> my, my designer made it and then and I was like, okay, I think it's really beautiful, but why is my name so big? You know, it's just like, it's just so, I just can really laugh at myself because I know I've been, this is like a dream come true. And yet I'm like, want to hide under my. Oh boy, man, that sounds familiar. Um, okay, so let's see if we can figure out what the heart of that one is, because there's lots of potential reasons we might come up to the thing that we're dreaming of doing and go, oh no, and then not not take the steps to complete it. So do you think that comes from, you know, the the fear of finally starting to realize your goals only to maybe find that it's not everything you dreamed or potentially um, the fear of failure or like, what do you think is, is making you want to hide from taking those final steps to announce to the world? Here I am. Yeah. Just that part about being going public, you know, and just the, you know, I'm, I know I'm not going to hear about anyone who might be bad talking me or who does she think she is or any of that kind of stuff. It's just, yeah, some, some low grade, I guess it's not low grade. It is, there is some fear about that. And, um, because I have, because it, it's a functioning studio. Anyone who calls, I just bring them there. And so I'm just sort of doing it under the radar. But um, so, uh, yeah, just the being public things feels like the most, you know, just being more on stage feel, that's how it feels. Right. And so there's there's definitely a vulnerability there, right? Um, and, and expectations, you know, once people know your business is there, all of a sudden you're subject to these expectations and it feels like everything you do now is open to the scrutiny of all these people who are, yeah, absolutely. And I know for me, and you can tell me if this is not the case for you, but it's certainly something we can kind of add into our, our snowball that we're making right now. I know the case for me is also, I am always afraid of committing because I know that once I let it be known that I've committed to something, I now have to do the thing. And I am, um, now I can fail, right? Like, so if I didn't tell anybody, like I told you guys, I was, I've been being encouraged by the amazing folks here to try my hand and see if I could get into a TED talk um, or a TEDx talk, I should say. And so I, I committed that I would put in the application this month. And once you do that, and once you let people know, I mean, once everybody knows, then you can fail by not doing the thing. And so coming up against that consequence, plus once you're committed to a thing, it's about to change your life a little bit. Like I know committing to doing NaNoWriMo meant I was going to be writing a book all this month and having to take and put aside everything else. And once you're like, I'm going to do it, all of a sudden everything changes. And I don't know that I love that always. Like I've always hesitate right on the edge of jumping off for a really long time. So you'll have to tell me if, if any of that sounds familiar to you, because if it does, it definitely is. Oh, sure. Like, I feel like now it's time to perform you know, better get more regular on my Instagram. And, you know, if, if it's really happening, let's show that it's happening for sure. All that stuff. Yeah. Dance monkey. <laughs> that's, <laughs> how I, that's how it feels. Uh, okay. Absolutely. So that's definitely stuff that we can look at this week. Sisala, hello. You had your hand up as well. So what are some of the things? Hi, Nicole. Um, I think my biggest struggle is fear of success, actually. Um, you guys touched a little bit upon it. Um, I have 
an intense fear of success because that means that there's going to be more expectations and I can't cruise as much as I like to do. It's also has something to do with, um, I know failure, failure is comfortable. Failure is familiar. Success on the other hand is an unknown. It's this, um, big thing that are looming out there in the horizon. And I know that I want it and I know that I deserve it, but I also know that I don't know exactly what it looks like. (laughs) And I know that once I'm there, I probably have to take a deep hard look at myself and learn how to not be a master procrastinator and learn how to be consistent or just outsource everything that isn't creative. (laughs) So yeah, that's my fear. (laughs) I'm so glad you shared that. And I I think you really touched on something there that's important for us to think about when we look at internal conflict is you don't know what success looks like. And I do think that a big part of these internal struggles are us constantly looking to fall back into our comfort zone even if it's not ideal for us, even if the result of the comfort zone is like not everything we want in the world, God, we want to get back there so bad. And our brains are like, Hey, we know where we're safe, man. Stop taking these chances of us getting hurt. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think actually there's like a primal instinct to it. As far as I know, it's something to do with uh, fight or flight mode. Um, It's, it's safe to be what, where we know, like, unknown is scary and and potentially dangerous yeah a hundred percent even and it's it's crazy um even when the situation that we're in is not beneficial even when the situation that we're in is actually deleterious for us we still um require some kind of impetus to push us out of that situation simply because we know we were alive and we were we were familiar and that familiarity is safer than all of the potential outcomes we could imagine that could be way worse, especially the higher you climb, the farther you have to fall, right? And knowing that there's always going to be some level of, of fear involved. Exactly. <laughs> yep, I feel you there. All right, guys. So we have... Um, We've got some fear of success to talk about. We've got comfort zones to talk about. We've got vulnerability on a large scale that we're looking at as well as those things, those habits and narratives we have built in that once we step outside of it, we find it really, really difficult to function. So we've got a few things already that we can look at this week. Is anybody else in the audience today and you're, you're having some internal conflict or some things that you struggle with yourself that you would love to hear maybe some ways that we can tackle it, or even if we can just explore what that means and what it looks like so we can try to move on from there, feel free to raise your hand and would love to hear what you're struggling with so we can all attack it together this week. Anybody else, feel free to raise your hand. I want to make sure that we got some time. I know folks are at work. And so, of course, you always have the option of sharing this in the Facebook group as well. Um, Stacy, I see your hand. I'll grab you. And then when you share yours, I'm going to go ahead and go grab the Facebook link. So, so. Um, okay, I'm driving, so I hope you can hear me all right. Um, I, it might sound silly, but I actually really struggle with speaking up for myself. And I just spent a couple of days at our state fall convention and 
um, talking to some people about trying to get my business going because now I had to get a job job and I really don't like having a job job. Um, and I'm also sharing a studio with somebody and I had my one session in the studio this month and I got there and there was just like, the place was trashed. And <laughs> with like newborn stuff and I was like doing a sale and trying to shoot a senior and um, she's taken over like 90% of the space and I'm really happy that she's working a lot but I, I'm crammed into this one corner now and I'm paying half the rent and I'm really struggling to say anything but I need to because I need to be able to set up my space to work and um, I don't know why I can stand up for everybody else but not for myself so I'm, I'm dealing oh, okay. with that right now <laughs> Yes, that sounds familiar. I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people can commiserate with you there. And so if we take that and break that apart a little bit, um, do you think if you were to examine it, that it comes from, I mean, there obviously could be many potential things. We could be looking at, I'm not really worth somebody taking the trouble of standing up for, including myself. It could be I don't like having people mad at me or upset with me. I'm a people pleaser. I need them to like me. And this is a potential confrontation that I, I, that may result in tension that I don't want to have. Like, and usually there's multiple things there, but when you look at that, can you pick out anything in particular that might really be the kind of the heart of not being able to stand up for yourself? I mean, I've looked at it a little bit with my therapist. <laughs> um, and it's a feeling of undeserving. And, you know, she's there more, so it's fine. And I don't want to rock the boat. And I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to upset anybody. Um, but then there's that other part of me that's like screaming inside. Like, why is your exercise bike in the middle of the studio today? Um, I don't know. Um, I guess because I'm not there, I'm not high volume, and so I feel like I don't want to inconvenience her because she's the one who's there all the time. But that's silly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And um, I mean, of course, she's capable of using the space and then putting things away. I mean, of course, she's capable of that. <laughs> um, so that, you know, yeah, so, okay. Feelings of unworthiness are 100% something that will stop us from standing up for ourselves when we should be. And then having that exacerbated, you're obviously looking at the situation and trying to find ways to justify not stepping forward so that you don't have to take that chance. So that is certainly something we should be looking at this week. Um, you know, as we were talking about external conflicts and confrontations last week, we mostly talked about um, the things that we can do in order to prepare ourselves to set the situation up so that when we have that confrontation, it goes well. But we didn't talk a whole lot, which is why this week I think is so important. We didn't talk a whole lot about what's going on internally, what might stop us from being able to take those steps and move forward effectively. So, um, learning how to be an advocate for ourselves, I think, is definitely something we should look at. And also, just something to keep in mind, 
because I do this as well. Sometimes when we don't, when we decide not to have those confrontations or not to let somebody know what we need from them, we are blocking them from the ability to do something good for us. And I know it's a weird way to think of it um, because so often what we feel like we're doing is imposing on people, um, showing up and being needy and imposing on people when what we're actually doing is giving them the chance to participate in a relationship because our, our relationships are give and take and they're, they're, there's something that each person has to contribute to. And what stems from that contribution is a stronger bond and a better relationship and a healthier thing for all of us to interpret, uh, for all of us to participate in. And the wild thing is that if we're participating in a relationship where we're only ever taking, that's not good for us. We need to be making those compromises for somebody else in order to feel like we have poured into that relationship. And when we don't allow other people to do that for us, we don't allow them to meet our needs. We don't allow them that participation. In a big way, we're stealing something from them too, which isn't something that we always think about. So as we get into this discussion that this week, maybe that's something for us to keep in mind, the fact that when we advocate for ourselves, not only are we being a good example for the folks that are around us because likely there are times in their lives when they don't advocate for themselves as well. And seeing somebody stand up and say, hey, you know, here's what's going on. We really need to have this talk. I would appreciate it if then hopefully they'll feel empowered to be able to do the same thing for themselves. But we're also allowing them to show up for us. And if somebody were to say to me, my relationship with you would be better if then that gives me the opportunity to show up on your behalf. And I appreciate that. So just something I think for us to keep in mind as we tackle this, because it's really, really difficult sometimes to be our own advocate. So that's 100% an internal conflict that we should be looking at. All right, y'all. Anybody else have anything? Now is the time to raise your hand. We're going to start moving into the topic of conversation for today. Becca was the first person to raise her hand. So I think we're going to start there and be thinking about how you respond when the environment that you've built for yourself falls out of whack. What's going on in our head that stops us from being able to produce, being able to work, being able to get things done? There's something going on internally there. So Becca, maybe you can kind of um, expound on that just a little bit so we get kind of a good base point to start so that we know what <laughs> apparently the dog doesn't know who his people are anymore. You come down the stairs and he's like, who are you? Um, yeah, maybe you can um, expand on that a little bit so that we have kind of a good basis to start tackling what's going on internally when our environment. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like I, I can't just force myself to do things. And maybe it's some combination of all the many things that have been mentioned to like fear of success or, you know, like, I don't know, just not getting out of my own way, kind of like, just because something happened doesn't mean 
it needs to like completely disrupt whatever else I'm doing. Like, it's so stupid. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I obviously can't control everything all the time. And there's certainly times where I love to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And, you know, I love the candid nature of certain situations. Like, you know, when you're on, when you're on set, right. Like, that is a totally different environment than like having to sit with the computer and having to retouch or, you know, having to make a painting or having to respond to emails or whatever. Like it's completely dysfunctional to think that I'm never going to have distractions. The phone's never going to ring. My kids are never going to, you know, show up and start yanking on my sleeve and mommy, 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 or, you know, whatever, or you will, something annoying will happen and like completely upturn my day. Um, I don't know. It's, it's really dumb. And I don't know how to get over it. <laughs> it's not dumb. It's not dumb. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push into this a little bit just to, to try to pull out more information. So when this happens, is this a distraction comes along or something out of the ordinary or something, you know, shows up that removes you from your normal routine and all of a sudden everything has to stop? Like, well, now it's ruined kind of thing or is something else? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like that. Like I, I definitely am unfortunately the victim of inspiration more often than not, uh, which is great sometimes when it's going well. Um, but other times it's when that flow is interrupted, then it's like, Oh, well I just can't get back into work mode. So I'm going to go, you know, I don't know, go doom scroll through Facebook for 20 minutes and then I'll feel better. But then 20 minutes is two hours. And right. you know, like, no, no, completely, there's no reason I should do that. Like it, getting back into that, that zone is like really, really tough. Um, I think a lot of it just comes out of like being distractible and not being able to focus, which might be something a lot deeper, but um, yeah, it's just, I, I, it's like, Oh, well my, my mood's been ruined. So let's just make it worse by not. (laughs) And then not being productive. And then all of a sudden feeling bad about ourselves because we weren't productive and we weren't capable and, you fall into the, the, all of the kind of um, all that negative self-talk that just seems to reinforce the fact that you're not capable of doing things. And yeah, it becomes a great yep. big mental mess. <laughs> that is exactly it. Yep. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this is, um, I, I empathize with you here really, really deeply because as anybody who has had to write as part of their living will know, it is impossible to write when you're distracted. I can, I can talk and paint. I can talk and sketch. I can talk and edit a photo. I cannot talk and write at the same time because I have to be able to hear my internal voice. And having somebody, <laughs> my kids, constantly interrupting that oh, is so frustrating. And it's really difficult. You're 100% right for us to get into those flow states where we feel like things are happening and we're moving on the inspiration we have and we're confident and we're competent. Like that is a place that you have to fight to get into. And once it's taken from you, it's even worse. Like it's even worse trying to get back into it. So I think there's a couple things that we can look at. First, you're right. There's, it's always worth considering whether there's something deeper going on, um, whether there's, you know, like attention span issues that are happening. And I, one, obviously, sometimes this is a, a physical thing, 
But there are other times when this is literally a result of having programmed ourselves to have a five second attention span by constantly switching our attention between the notification we just got on our phone and the message that we got and somebody called and somebody knocked and, um, and you know, they've been looking at this as something that actually has long-term deleterious effects on our ability to focus. So the first thing I think is that you're absolutely right. We have to start by controlling our environment as far as we can by turning off notifications, by not having an app on our phone, by making sure we're logged out of things or et cetera, et cetera. There's a, a lot of different things that we can do to try to have an environmental control. But of course, there's going to be things like kids or emergencies or other stuff that just will pop up that does need to be dealt with. So when that happens, how do we handle those things? And from my experience, one of the things that has been successful is um, I give myself a reset button and I do this with my dog and this is going to sound weird, but I'm gonna, I'll, I'll try to explain it as best I can. So my dog Hurley, we got him right before the quarantine happened um, in 2020. We got him right before Christmas. He was so cute and small and we were just starting to introduce him to other dogs and strangers when we ended up on lockdown. And so he's a COVID puppy, which means he's really dog reactive. When he sees other dogs, he's like, oh no, danger. And um, so taking him for a walk is really difficult. One of the things that I started doing with him is breaking that habit by anytime he starts to pull or lunge or he starts, we call it, he's hunting, like he's looking for dogs and yards or anything to react to. I stop walking immediately and I've taught him that that means he needs to turn around and come back and heal. He'll come and he'll sit and then we don't start going again until he makes eye contact, voluntary eye contact with me. He will sit there the whole time until he looks up at me and we have eye contact and I know that he's now paying attention to me. And once he does that, it breaks that cycle of, ooh, somebody's going to get us, we're in danger, got to be on the hunt. Um, it breaks that cycle and allows him to move into the walk now with a refreshed mental state. And I have to do this for myself as well. And usually I'll do it by going for a walk. It's almost like a palate cleanser after, you know, smelling too many things or eating really, you know, things that are really flavorful or whatever. It's almost like it's, it's building a new habit into the routine so that if something happens, I go for a walk, I'm by myself, I think through where I was at before, for me, most of the time, this is thinking through um, like the plot, what's happening with the characters, whatever's going on. So I can get myself back into that state without the distractions of, you know, phone or Facebook or whatever is around. And then when I come back, I'm prepared to get back down to work. So I know we've talked about habit loops before, but if you haven't heard this, basically a habit is... Um, an activity that is repeated so many times that it goes on autopilot and it will almost always begin with a trigger. And usually that trigger is something we don't even realize. So if you are a smoker or you know a smoker, probably you'll realize that they will always have a cigarette after they've eaten or with a cup of coffee or when they're stressed. There are just certain things that happen that will trigger that habit loop. And for us, if we have allowed ourselves when something happens that comes along to interrupt our flow or our day, 
that kills our buzz or whatever, um, <clears throat> we immediately go looking for, because you're in a really fantastic dopamine state while that's happening, while you're in flow, you go along looking for something to replace that. And so the habit is then to open up Facebook or to check your messages or to pull up your emails or whatever, um, which of course then makes it a lot more difficult to get back into that state. So if you can build yourself a habit trigger that is like a palate cleanse, that is something that gives you a chance to kind of refresh so that you can start again well, that might be a really great thing to consider just to build that into the way that you work. So kiddo shows up, needs something, gets at you, ruins everything. <laughs> Children ruin everything. Just kidding. You know, I love my kids, but I mean, sometimes it feels that way, right? So what is something maybe that you can build into the day so that it can help to kind of reset things? And that could be like making a cup of tea or, you know, going for a walk around the block or whatever. I mean, there's a million things to potentially choose from, but that might be an external way to force some internal results. Does anybody else have any experience with that and anything that they do to kind of help mitigate what's going on? No, maybe not. Becca, it's just you and me. <laughs> We're the only ones. On the hot mess express. <laughs> <laughs> I will drive the struggle bus up to the hot mess express <laughs> and then climb on. So, I mean, does that sound at all like familiar or maybe something you think is worth trying in those situations? Yeah. Yeah. And, and habit building is like something I just in general, like have never been good at. And I feel like I can read every inspirational book and like make every you know, schedule and like alarm system, like try to get myself into creating good habits. And I just, I don't know, something doesn't click in my brain for that particular skill set. And I try, still trying, going to keep trying. But um, yeah, one of, one of those things that I'm just still on the struggle bus about. Um, but yeah, I think maybe, maybe after you can break it down a little bit, it's more kind of getting into that flow state from the get go. Yeah. Kind of might be where my struggle is. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think um, the trick with at least that I have noticed, and I know I've talked about my, my journey with fitness. Um, I know I've talked about that before, but one of the things that I really noticed heavily is if I am trying to force myself to build a habit around something I don't like doing, the chances of me actually following through are like slim to none. I may get myself into it for a few days while that motivation lasts. Like, you know, you mentioned reading motivational books and you have all this inspiration and you're like, woohoo, gonna do the thing. But when it's something you just inherently don't like, trying to force yourself to like it is really freaking difficult and just adds a whole nother layer of this probably isn't gonna happen to the equation. So I've noticed that if I can build that habit around something I actually do enjoy. Like if I can say for sure, you know what, when this happens, I'm just going to stop and go downstairs and make myself a cup of tea. Um, take a minute just to, to chill and really be present in the process of making the tea. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. Hang in there. I'm going to explain this even more. Um, then I'm going to be in a much better headspace. I'm not going to have any more of the irritation of not being 
in the flow state where I was like really working well and enjoying myself. I'm not going to be mad at the distraction because I just did an action that I actually really enjoy. So um, one of the things I've always really appreciated about traditional Japanese culture is the fact that they take everyday things and turn them almost into ceremonies. And this does a few things for you. When you take an action and you turn it into a ceremony, you're telling yourself, number one, that this thing is important. This thing that it's connected to is important. You're also slowing yourself down and forcing yourself to be present in the action itself. So what I mean by this is I have got, when I make tea, I have a couple of parts of the making tea that I really enjoy. One of them is the teapot itself. I I know this is going to sound crazy, but hang in with me. The teapot is just beautiful. It's just this beautiful Le Creuset teapot. It's blue. It's gorgeous. It looks like it belongs in like a fairy tale farmhouse somewhere. And I have a little honey pot, a little honey jar that's like the avatar for all honey jars. It's what every honey jar has always longed to be. It's just cute and fat and it's got a bee on it and it's yellow and it has a cute little lid and it's so cute that there is inherent joy for me just in using these things. When I see them, I love them. I'm excited to use them. Using them makes me happy. So when I'm making the tea, I have turned it into a kind of a ceremony. I have this really beautiful loose leaf rooibos um, tea that is called apple empanada. It's locally made. It smells fantastic. I take that time when I heat my water, I use a cup I really love. I slow down a lot and I just allow the process and I make the process something I just really enjoy doing. So in a way, I'm rewarding myself with something that I like to get myself back on the path that I want to be on. And it's not forcing myself to go to the gym, right? It is actually doing something I really enjoy where I can be present And then that all of a sudden becomes the habit loop trigger instead of forcing myself to do something I don't like. Then the habit becomes really, really easy to build. So I hope, I hope that that makes sense. Um, I I like that you sort of led with the tying it to something you appreciate. Um, Hang on one second. I'm going to make a really loud noise. Sorry, my microwave's being crazy pants. Um, one of the things that I do when I'm building habits that I don't necessarily love, uh, and this is for anybody who is motivated by money, um, make it expensive, whatever the habit is somehow figure out a way to make it expensive. Whether like for me right now, I invested in this like coaching program and I knew that if it wasn't going to hurt my bank account to pay for it that I wouldn't do it. That I'd be like, no, because I can work on autopilot and survive and just stay right here. But if I make it hurt, I'm like, oh, this is this is gonna cost a lot of money. Oh, this already is costing a lot of money. Well, by God, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna fill out that fucking spreadsheet every goddamn day and do the things to build the habits that I know I need to build in order to grow to the next level in the business. Um, if it's the gym, like choose the expensive one with people you enjoy being around. If it is 
I don't know, like I want to pick up reading every day. Like, okay, so if I'm going to read, maybe I'm going to pay for a subscription to somebody who's going to send me books every month and like, you know, whatever. Cause I, I know that I am motivated by money, like the loss of it as well as the gain. So if I'm building habits, I'm anything that I can do to make that habit worthwhile for me, I'm going to make sure that it costs me something. <laughs> um, so that makes perfect sense. Um, having something either expensive or something beautiful. Um, Nicole, until you talked about um, about the, your teapot and, and your cup and your honeypot and everything like that, I, uh, and, and how you needed it to be beautiful, I realized um, I do the same thing with journals. Like, okay, I need, I need to either journal or um, write down notes for my business or whatnot. So I need these journals to be freaking magnificent. So I go on Etsy and I buy the most amazing journals. And I'm like, I gotta have these. I, I, I want, I, they can't just sit there. They need to be used. So I'm going to write in them. God damn it. Sorry. Um, so, so that, that, what you said there actually made a, a lot of sense. Um, and I realized I do the same things and finding like finding things that we love and appreciate just like from that childish, pure, giddy joys like, oh, I love this teacup. Oh, I love this notebook. I actually just bought a beautiful mug. Same reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's Random. wild. It doesn't seem like that should be a thing. Right. But when we think about it all the way, it makes perfect sense that it would be difficult to force ourselves to do things that we don't love. Like, why would I torture myself that way? Why would I go to the gym and run on a treadmill when I could be climbing a rock wall? Like, why would I do that to myself, right? And so for me, that method of exercise, it's not hard for me to make that into a habit. In fact, it will do it all by itself because I enjoy the process so much. And even though the process of making the tea is not the process of getting back into the flow state, what happens is that process of making the tea becomes the habit trigger for the next thing, which is moving forward with a clear head. And when you do that trigger, that habit loop trigger, your brain will automatically start moving toward the next step in the habit loop. If, it, if you have ever driven yourself to work when you meant to go to the store, you will know what that looks like. Your brain goes, oh, we grabbed our keys, we put on our shoes, we got in the car, we're going to work. And so you'll just start driving there without even realizing you're doing it. And your brain wants to complete that habit loop real, real badly. It is built into your basal ganglia, which you, is a part of your brain that you don't have conscious access to. Um, even if you were to have an accident where parts of your brain were damaged, those habits would still complete themselves. So it's, it's a really wild part of our physiology of our brains, but having something you enjoy be the trigger of the habit, man, that just makes the whole process way, way easier. And it seems silly that a beautiful piece of crockery should be such a thing but it really is a thing, just like your your gorgeous journals. And now I'm I'm just about done. I'm I I've been keeping a journal since I was 13, so I'm just about done with the one I have now. I need to replace it. And now you've got me wondering, like, 
the one I have now is very Persian inspired. It looks like an illuminated manuscript. It's really beautiful. So now I, I think I gotta get on Etsy and get myself a new one. Already there. Already there. <laughs> like, Ooh, yep. pretty journals. And now I have a stack of like 80 gajillion journals that are all half finished because then I get a new one and I'm like, oh, but this one's pretty. I'll start here. And this one will be for work. <laughs> or I'll no, treat myself to a beautiful journal and then I'll actually do That's my conversation. Yes, right? Make it expensive, right? Like get yourself a gorgeous one. You can't ignore it. Um, Lindsay, I see, I'm seeing that your hand is up and I'm not sure, for some reason it wouldn't let me click on you, but I am, I am trying to bring you up. So, um, yes, as we, okay, so for may, maybe some reason your hand, it accidentally got clicked, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, maybe part of the trick of this whole process is an external one to get an internal result. But they're really, I mean, if we dig, there's always the potential that there's something internal going on in addition to the fact of, of getting those distractions that kind of pull us out of our, our flow. Do you ever notice Becca, the things that you say to yourself when that happens? Like, do you have any kind of internal narrative that accompanies these things? Do you say to yourself, great, now I'm never going to be able to finish this. Or, of course, this would happen right at this point. Now I can't or whatever. Like, do you have any internal stuff going on that maybe contributes to not being able to get back there? Hello, voice inside my head. Uh, yeah, you you uh, nailed it. At least a good chunk of it. Totally. Um, yeah, I get incredibly frustrated and I hit that point of like, well, I might as well just not even do it. I might as well just refund their money because this is never going to get done. Or, you know, this is I whatever bullshit I can tell myself that's completely negative and untrue. I do. Yep. There's a reason I know what you're thinking. <laughs> um, we might be long distance sharing the same brain. So, yeah, I think, I think that is kind of the completion. Oh, sorry. I just got a text. I'm, I'm sure that was probably loud. Um, so I think that's kind of the completion. Like when we, when we look at things that happen in these circumstances, we've got two things that are going on. We have like the physical manifestation of what's ever going on. And then we have our internal dialogue about what's going on, or I should say monologue. Hopefully we're not having a dialogue. If we are, we need to have a chat about that and find out who else is in your brain. Um, I think I've got like five people in my brain, so probably I actually am having an internal dialogue. But anyway, um, so we have the thing that happens, right? Like we have the trigger, we have the, the kid who shows up or the client who calls or something that happens that pulls us away from whatever we're doing. And then we have our internal response to that. We have, of course, this would happen and I'm never gonna finish this. and you know, all I needed was just five minutes of silence or whatever it is, these really natural and understandable reactions to some kind of stimulus. But what we have to keep in mind is what we tell ourselves about what happens is really going to determine what we do next. And if my response is, okay, clearly I needed a break. Now I'm just going to go for a walk. I like going for a walk. I like being outside. I want the sun on my face. So that's a good thing for me. I like being out in nature. I can tell myself that if that happens, going for a walk around the block is a great thing. Like, okay, cool. 
obviously, and, and if I believe that I can get back into that space, if I believe I can be like, I got this, no problem. Going to go for a walk, going to get some sun on my face, going to come back and make this shit happen. Or if my answer is now I get to go make tea, like um, there's a, a whole different physical and emotional state that you're in all of the sudden. And granted, that's not going to come naturally, right? Our natural inclination is always going to be to fall back down to the level of our comfort zone. And if we are used to talking shit to ourselves about ourselves, that's exactly what we're going to do. I know this, son. Sorry, my teenager is giving me (laughs) signals like I'm not paying attention to the clock. Um, If we're automatically going to want to fall back into that space, it is a, a difficult process and it takes effort to change those internal narratives. But once we recognize they're there and we know what we're saying to ourselves, it becomes an entirely different ball game to go, okay, now that I know I do that to myself, I'm going to catch it. When I hear myself go, oh great, everything's ruined. I'm going to respond to myself. No, I've proven with a long track record Every time this happens, I still get things done. I just need a break. I'm going to go do something I enjoy, but I'm going to set a timer. That way I make sure I'm back here to get started. And it's a process and it's effort, but if you can make it a process, you enjoy, the results are going to be entirely different. So as we near the end of the hour, I want to get any final thoughts from everybody If you have experienced the same thing that Becca and I go through, where this process of being interrupted becomes incredibly difficult and frustrating, makes getting back to work really hard, triggers all of these negative thoughts about yourself and what you can do and what you're capable of, makes it difficult to get back to work, to be productive, all those things, um, would love to hear from you. What do you do that works? Um, Or what are your thoughts on this issue in general. And then we'll close up and we'll take everything we talked about today, these different things, this fear of success, this perfectionism, um, this vulnerability of having everybody know what you're about to do when you hang up your your business sign, um, all of those things. And we will discuss them during this week. But for now, anybody having experiences like Becca? Well, For me, it's more comment on what you just said. It's about negative self-talk. And I think we highly underestimate how much negative self-talk goes on on a day-to-day basis for ourselves. And it's just, it's not just in the, oh no, I'm a failure. It's, It's having negative statements. I think the power of language is so incredibly important and we tend to forget about it. So instead of saying, hey, I'm a freaking failure today, you say, okay, I just need to nurture myself a little bit more. What is it that I actually need? Like you said, Nicole, check in with yourself and and have a conversation and be curious about what's going on inside of you. Um, Instead of just jumping to the default of I'm a failure or I'm lazy. That's my negative self-talk. I'm lazy. Um, Oh, what else goes on? But like quit the negative statements and try to, rework them in a positive way stop yourself as you said nicole and and try to be a little more graceful towards yourself i think that one has been a huge made a huge difference in my life of 
how I beat myself up. I don't do it as much anymore because of change of language around what I do and how I do it. Am I there? Can people hear me? We can hear you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm about to drop the kid off at school. So it looks like I'll be able to be here for the whole time as long as you don't mind car noise. But I think that that's so wise, Cicela. And also something that you said reminded me of our friend Jonas. And um, I think it might have been a little while since he's been here with us. But one of the things he said um, that has stuck with me for a long time is that often our responses to things, particularly if our responses are negative, often means we have a need somewhere that's not being met. And I think that's, you know, like when you said, when we check in with ourselves, that's a really good question for us to ask ourselves is, is there a need that's not being met in this situation? And so my response is a negative one. Like, is there a possibility that what I need from somebody is affirmation or help or a reminder that I've been in this situation before and come through it okay. Like there may be some need there that is not getting met. And if we can pinpoint it, then that may be kind of the key to making sure that the situation does not evolve that way the next time. So maybe something also to think about there. Um, any other final thoughts, guys, as we draw? I just want to say I really appreciate looking at, um, like, the, for me, I know it's a pure luxury at this point that my kids are out of the house from seven to three. But when I get a call and someone's sick or something, and I'm just like on a roll, it just, I'm still like, I know I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in a great mood by the time I get to the school and pick them up or, you know, but right now, I mean, I'm still, when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm in my house by myself, I will still yell. I will give myself permission to just exert whatever needs to happen. And then I really appreciate what you said and just like, like that I'm going to create an opportunity to, in that break, in that stopping, in that pause of the day to do something nice for myself and just like step back and then go take care of the child or whatever else has to happen. Yeah, I love that, Juliet, and, and I agree. I think it's, it's definitely really important for us. The last thing we want to do is um, try to smush our emotions, right? You're right. We do need to give ourselves the freedom to express what we're feeling, and I think the trick to that is to recognize that emotions, the actual emotion itself doesn't actually last very long, but we tend to cling to them and feed them. Um, we take that momentary frustration that actually only physiologically lasts about four seconds and we feed it, right? And we continue that, that negative self-talk that feeds that emotion and continues to make things worse. So the trick is definitely give ourselves that permission because we don't want to be bottling up our feelings. So feel what we're feeling. And then, like you said, you know, change the script, change the narrative, give yourself that self-care, that moment to reset um, so that the emotion actually, it goes, it happens, we get clear of it, we get it out. And then we change what we say to ourselves after that. So we're not just stewing and continuing to chew that emotion until it makes everything else worse. 
so I think that's a really, really important thing for us to recognize when we're in these situations that are just super frustrating. All right, anybody else as we close in on our final two minutes? I'm going to have to sit with this this ritual thought for a while and kind of stew on it because I, I think that I actually I kind of ritualize my work in itself. And so then when there's an interruption to that particular ritual, uh, that's where my frustration stems from, perhaps. I'm going to have to think about how to either rebuild the ritual itself or add something new to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, just kind of as a side tangent, um, the, the idea of, you know, ceremony and ritual is very interesting to me in general. Like, I really love the idea of kind of a humanism or humanistic paganism, which is where the, the person and the human is divine rather than anything supernatural. And that's why you see the similar kinds of ceremony and ritual and, you know, making tasks into something greater than just tasks all over the world. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to sit with that one and see how I can adapt a little bit better. I think that's a really great insight to notice about yourself, Becca, um, and, and something the rest of us can probably use to look at our lives as well, um, because there's a really good chance that we're not only kind of ritualizing things like our work, but we may also be ritualizing things like our negative, our negative responses. Um, and, and in a way, that can become a foil in and of itself. And if we can add the... If we can add, like you said, if you can just change the ritual or add something new to the ritual, then obviously, you know, that, that alters the whole experience. So absolutely something to think about. And I recognize that this particular issue is not going to resonate with every single person. You may not be the person who suffers this. You may be the person who, when the distraction come, comes along, you're like, yes, there's a chance for me to recoup for a second before I get back. Um, but for those of us who do, I hope this conversation was helpful. Um, it's also really important to remember, and I just want to state one more time in case you haven't been here when we've said it, nobody on this panel is a psychiatrist or a psychologist. We're just talking about our own experiences, what we have found that works, and throwing out ideas that you can consider. But it is always, always, always the best if you can get advice from a therapist, from, you know, from the people that are licensed to be able to look at your life and give you the best possible advice. Um, this is all for, for learning and consideration. So you have to take this thing and think about it critically and do with it what you will. But these are our experiences and these are the things that have worked for us or just the things that we think are worth considering. So give it a good look, see if it's something that will fit you. For the rest of the week, we're going to be talking about other kinds of internal conflicts that we have from the things that have already been brought up by the amazing vulnerable members of this group, like the difficulty of knowing that once you announce yourself, you have to live up to ex outside expectations, that fear of failure and knowing how far you have to fall when you've climbed all the way to the top, the difficulty of reaching your goals and then asking yourself, now what? The struggle of being able to stand up for yourself of being able to be just to be there for you of comparison of perfectionism of all the things as artists and people and business persons that we struggle with um we're going to be digging as much as we can into those things this week and seeing how we can how we can handle them so be thinking about that today 
If you've got something you want to bring up, don't be afraid to bring that up in the Facebook group as well. The link is up there at the top. And I hope this was a really helpful conversation today, at least gave you some things to think about and some things you can do. Hopefully we will see you bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 6 a.m. for the West Coast, 9 a.m. for the East Coast. I really hope that we will see you then. In the meantime, go make something amazing and have a fantastic day, everybody. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.